When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Welcome back to Red Room. It's me, your host, Jenny. Hello to all my patrons who are watching the video version of this podcast, which are exclusively available over on Patreon. Everyone listening on Spotify, before we get going, make sure you subscribe. Leave me a review. I would really appreciate it. I'm a one-woman show over here, so every review really does help me out. And, you know, click follow. Why not? Keep up with Red Room. I release episodes sporadically, admittedly, but if you want weekly ones, you know where to go. That's over on Patreon today. However, we are going down a rabbit hole that, oh my God, when this started to pop up on my phone on Friday, I thought it was going to be only a small part of an episode and little did I know the rabbit hole I was about to fall down. I do think, and I'm putting it out there, this is possibly the biggest online conspiracy theory out there, at least the most mainstream since Pizzagate. This is bigger than Pizzagate because it's mainstream. It's involving some huge celebrities. You know, people, we say we care about politicians. We really care about celebrities. And when we're going to talk about celebrities today, we're talking about Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, Grimes, Nicole Kidman, Alexis Demi. Is that her name? (laughs) We're talking about some of the most mainstream celebrities ever. And we're talking about the hottest fashion label in the last 10 years, I'm going to say. Everybody, secure your gas station overpriced sunglasses. Grab your Ikea bag that costs you 2,000 euro. And let's go down the rabbit hole. We're talking about Balenciaga Gate. Okay, everybody. I'm excited for this episode. Um, we are going to go straight into it because there is so much to cover. But what I first want to say is give my, almost my thesis. What are we going to be talking about today? How am I going to be presenting this? Not arguments to you because as with all my episodes, I like to just give you the facts, give you a little bit of conspiracy theory and you can figure out and decide for yourself where you fall on the issue. As always, I love to hear from you. So do DM me, comment below if you're over on Patreon, if you're on Spotify, slide into my DMs. I love to know what people think. When this started to pop off, okay, I was immediately interested. I, um, you know, I noticed there was 
so many of my interests uh, overlapping. So we're talking about, you know, large scale fashion campaigns, photo shoots. If you don't know, my partner is a photographer. So I have a little bit of insight there. I've got friends in the fashion industry here and abroad. So and I also worked in marketing. So I have a little bit of background on how some of these photo shoots can come about. I also noticed a lot of art being referenced um, and being told to us as being like problematic or people being interested in certain kinds of art. That has always been an interest of mine too, as someone who is has long term been interested in the darker side of things. I mean, hence my, my podcast and also kind of macabre and unusual art. I do find it interesting when people choose to you know deep dive into people's artistic taste and use that as a definer of their character or their morals or whatever else um I have a degree in history of art so looking into art has always been something that I've been very interested to and you know my parents brought me to a Francis Bacon exhibition when I was like eight or nine years old and I I do think that kind of like blackpilled me on art I've always been into darker art um so I hope to be able to give a little bit of my perspective and um, of course these are just my opinions my perspective and my own research I have tried my very best to keep this story completely up to date um, I'm recording this on Tuesday the 29th so if anything happens after this you know I'll put it on the Instagram but I wanted to make sure that what I was bringing to you all was a genuine investigation and deep dive into not just the brand but this scandal particularly and all the little avenues that shoot off when we're talking about this and I think that in the age of short content right these snapshot content like TikTok and reels and even Instagram stories it's very easy to portray something completely out of context but it's also very easy to not get the full story you know how can you put the full story in uh, an Instagram caption you really can't and that's why I personally love and I'm an advocate for long form content like podcasting because if you want more of the information this is where you'll hopefully go. I've noticed huge accounts online like House and Habit and other uh, more viral and possibly conspiratorial uh, TikTok accounts sharing snapshots and sharing what I would consider to be like a fraction of the story when it comes to talking about some of the people uh, and instances involved. So without further ado, we are going to go into some of the history behind Balenciaga as a brand. We're going to talk about Demna, uh, the current creative director, how he came on board, his group of creative people that surround him, how they engage with art, their art being fashion. We're going to look at this in terms of has there been other scandals like this? Has there been scandals like this in marketing, in photography in art and of course in fashion and then at the very end we're going to look at where the case stands today so let's get into it. So Balenciaga is a high-end luxury fashion house. It was founded in 1919 by a Spanish designer called Cristobal Balenciaga in Spain. I always thought it was Italian don't know why I guess like a lot of uh, these larger um fashion houses are Italian, like Fendi, Gucci, you know, I guess I just presumed and I presumed wrong. It is Spanish. So Cristobal Balenciaga was called the master of us all by none other than the original Christian Dior. And he had a reputation as being the couturier of uncompromising standards. In fact, a lot of people do say, and there's, you know, 
a bit of beef there between Dior and Balenciaga that apparently Christian Dior, who was known for, you know, bringing this new silhouette into the forefront of fashion, he kind of ripped it off, Mr. Balenciaga. So there was a little bit of beef there uh, from the get-go. And the brand is currently owned by parent company uh, Caring. So they also run Gucci. Coming into the more modern age of Balenciaga, July 2015, they announced they were parting ways with their creative director, Alexander Wang, after three years, a man who was also not shy of controversy, um, but that's a different story for a different day. And the spring-summer 2016 show was his last. And in October 2015, the brand brought on a new creative de- director and he is known as Demna. His full name is Demna Vasalia. So we're going to get into Demna background a little bit later but I want to just stay in the past and give a little bit of historical context to Balenciaga as a brand. So this you know they are a controversial brand and always kind of have been now not for uh, as negative reasons as we are seeing nowadays but their first controversy was surrounding the Nazis none other than the Nazis girls can't really get more controversial than that. So historians believe that Balenciaga continued activity during the Nazi occupation of Paris and that this was made possible because Balenciaga himself had a one-on-one relationship with the Spanish dictator Franco who was of course a friend of Hitler. Now obviously Balenciaga is a Spanish man and he did make clothes for the Franco family. Now Obviously, this sounds very dark and very scary, but it has to be known, you know, Hugo Boss made clothes for Hitler. I believe an Italian designer can't remember who made clothes for Mussolini. So, you know... Under dictatorships, these companies, I guess they have to do what they got to do. And fashion is not always the pinnacle of morality, which we're going to find out throughout this episode. Balenciaga did go on to testify that he refused to actually make clothes for Hitler himself. But, you know, this was one of their first controversies. So in 1957, they had another quite uh, controversial moment within fashion itself. So they decided to show their collection to the fashion press a day before for the clothing retail delivery date. So this was really controversial because usually they would do it weeks before. But the reason that Balenciaga did this apparently was because he was so annoyed by smaller retailers pirating his clothes. Um, And also this comes into the whole Christian Dior thing. He was also uh, furious that he would show four weeks early and then I think Paris would happen afterwards. And this was when apparently Christian Dior kind of nabbed a few of his designs. His protege, which was Givenchy at the time uh, was someone who stood by him through this and even though they didn't get a lot of their clothes in press they did make a huge mark on the fashion industry at a time so they were always a brand who were not really afraid to go against cultural norms to kind of push against um, tradition and even though this sounds small in 1957 in the fashion industry which had been going on for so long and had so many bourgeoisie connotations and high standards it would have been quite anarchical in a way to push against these standards. Now we're going to talk about Demna because I think knowing a bit of the background of Demna as a as a creative director and a designer is completely needed when looking at this controversy um, because 
You know, Balenciaga, especially since Demna has taken over, has not shied away but from being very subversive. And I think this is something that's being lost in the conversation when I see uh, the recent scandal, especially. So Demna is originally a Georgian fashion designer. He's the creative director of Balenciaga and he's the co-founder of the fashion house Vedemonts. And it's not just a fashion house, it's also like a creative team. It's him and a couple of people, specifically his brother. Guram and his friend Lotta. So Demna launched the brand Vedemonts in 2014 with a small group of some anonymous friends, some well-known, and they displayed their work uh, in its beginning in gay clubs in Paris. So they were always members of the underground scene, always members of more subversive scenes than like the haughty-taughty couture scene, if you know what I mean. Demna has said that his original purpose with the brand Vedemonts was to subvert the high fashion status quo. So this was his mission from the outset as a designer. He was always out there to be subversive, be I mean, punk be, you know, show fashion what it could be, push against the norm. And again, I do think it's really important to keep this in mind when looking at it, because otherwise it's like looking at the work of David Bowie or of the Sex Pistols without any of the cultural context or any of the context behind their art. So when we look at his wider team, because a designer is never, or any artist really, is never just um, singular kind of being. They are always existing within a context of fellow creatives, be that like an artistic movement or be that um, a creative team that they will handpick and, you know, feel inspired to be around. So I want to read you a quote that is from Demna and he read this to Vogue. He said, fashion should not please. The most important quality is the lack of fear because fear blocks creativity. And if you're trying to please, you're never going to make it. You should not please. And we might be eating his words when we look back at that quote. But again, I, I find that quite uh, inspiring. I think that he is right. And I think that there are very few artists out there at the moment who are not looking to please and who are not afraid to be subversive and to be controversial. Um, of course, controversy comes with ramifications sometimes. And I think every artist has to deal with that in their own way. But I think his movement into becoming what is known now and what the word, the term that is associated with him most often is being an anti-designer. He is an anti-designer and he produces anti-fashion. And this is something he got so, so, so well known for especially with Vetements. If you saw any of the stuff from Balenciaga in the last few years that like made people go crazy, which was like ugly destroyed sneakers, Ikea bags repurposed and sold for $2,000, platform Crocs, a t-shirt with a stapled shirt on the front of it, uh, tracksuit bottoms with sewn in visible boxers above them, which got them in their own controversy. But again, we don't have time for that today. That is Demna's Balenciaga. So, you know, these small controversies of making quite unusual clothing has gone into the mainstream and has trickled in and it's rubbed people the wrong way, but most people kind of go, oh, this is fashion, this is so silly. But a lot of, um, you know, people who would be more on Demna's side of things would say that he's almost like a, a troll, a fashion troll. He's he's kind of pushing things into a direction saying, will people buy this? It makes you consider what is a label? What is luxury? What is luxury fashion? Is luxury fashion just a label? Will people buy anything? 
Or if you look at it in an artistic sense, and it reminds me of kind of postmodern art, they really push the boundaries of what art is. Can art be a performance? You know, if you look at Marcel Duchamp, Marcel Duchamp obviously brought in a urinal and said that that was art. And, you know, the art critics ate it up. And that's still a point of contention today. People still argue over that. There are always going to be people in two categories, I believe. People who are, you know, willing and open to see new versions of art come forward and people who are maybe a little bit more traditional or conservative in what they feel is art. I know what camp I I am in. I don't judge anyone for being in the other, but I do think that um, being able to see more progressive and more developed styles of art I think that there's a beauty in that because otherwise you're just, you're going to be stuck 400 years ago where you, yeah, they could paint a, a flower that looked real, but is that impressive now, now that we have photography? Again, I'm going on, I digress into an artistic conversation, but I do think this is important when we're looking at this scandal because at the end of the day, Demna has always been pushing against and it, it makes sense why he went to Balenciaga. He has always been pushing against the the snobby kind of bourgeoisie uh, high standards of high fashion luxury. What is luxury? Subverting what luxury can mean to people and really when you look at the history behind Balenciaga they did that too. So now that we have a little bit of context I think that we are ready to dive into the scandal and oh my god hold your breath put on your scuba pack because like we're going we're going underwater for quite some time okay <laughs> this is a long ass scandal but I am I'm willing to do the work if you are willing to sit here with me so a tweet went viral as all story, all good stories start with that, don't they? A viral ass tweet. So a tweet went viral November 21st at 3 a.m. I'm presuming Irish time, whatever time that was for someone else. And it was from a user shoot on head. If anyone was around YouTube during the like 2015 Gamergate era, you will know who shoe on head is. She has always been someone who has pre- presented herself as like middle of the road. Like she's neither right wing or left wing. She's a centrist. Um, and she's kind of viral on Twitter as well. She she does trolley posts, but they're never they're never really that offensive. Anyway, she, June, her real name is, tweeted the following. The brand Balenciaga just did a, a interesting photo shoot for their new products recently, which included a very purposefully poorly hidden court document about virtual child porn. Normal stuff. This went insanely fucking viral. So soon after, she tweeted that Balenciaga had left Twitter and that they had deleted and wiped their entire Instagram account. She was presuming that this is because of the virality of her tweet. She was wrong. (laughs) Balenciaga left Twitter, I think two weeks beforehand, and it was due to the whole mess of Elon Musk taking over Twitter. Again, conversation for a different day. But they made it, they kind of did it as a publicity stunt too. They got a lot of press over it, saying that they didn't really want to be part of this Twitter, and they exited. Not the first time a fashion label has done this, but Tega Veneta did it when they got their new creative director. They left uh, Instagram and they wanted to kind of focus more on uh, old school PR, mouth to mouth, mouth to mouth. word of mouth marketing and relations with uh editors in chief etc etc 
But this went viral. People are still talking about how Balenciaga wiped their Twitter clean of the images, um, which they did not. Balenciaga have been known to delete and wipe everything from their Instagram when they are launching a new season. So it's, I guess a lot of fashion brands do this and it's so that their Instagram is um, portraying a modern lookbook so that when you go on their Instagram you see what they are about now what their cultural uh, identity is what their brand identity is and what they're actually selling what you can buy from the brand what's new season and what's not old season so Twitter did what it was going to do and it started to spout off insane and huge conspiracy theories. Uh, We're going to, as I said, get into them. We're going to take a look at the photos very shortly. But as this went viral, Balenciaga were forced to make a statement. It took them a while. They were silent for quite some time, but they did release the following statement. They said, we sincerely apologise for any offence our holiday campaign may have caused. Our plush bear bags should not have been featured with children in this campaign. We have immediately removed the campaign from all platforms. We apologise for displaying unsettling documents in our campaign. We take this matter very seriously and are taking legal action against the parties responsible for creating the set and including unapproved items for our Spring Summer 23 campaign. We strongly condemn abuse of children in any form and we stand for children's safety and well-being. Pretty huge statement from a company that usually leans into controversy from a company that usually does not to be honest give a fuck and they they go along with any controversy they're going to get so now let's take a look at the actual photos because I think looking at the first hand information that's the most that's the most important thing we're going to go into the photographer we're going to go into it all so the photos are part of a photographer's series called toy stories so The first photo, and I'll describe them and everyone on Patreon, you'll be able to have a look with me on screen. The first photo shows a young, uh, I'd say toddler girl standing on a couch. She's holding a purple teddy bear. The purple teddy bear seems to be wearing some sort of leather harness. And in front of her is a table with kind of neatly organized um, trinkets, really. Uh, There are, there is a Balenciaga mug. There's a Balenciaga tumbler. There are two champagne glasses, two wine glasses, a tumbler, a hip flask, some jewelry, some coasters, um, some candle holders which are shaped like beer cans and a dog bowl which also has a spiked rim around it. The same girl is shown in the same setup in another photo where she's lying down on the couch on her stomach with the bear behind her. We also then have an image of a red-headed toddler girl. She is holding a similar bear. This bear is wearing a fishnet tank top. The bear is wearing bracelets, leather bracelets and leather anklets, I believe. And the bear has one pink eye and one blue eye. Some people are interpreting this as a black eye. I would argue that they possibly were not teenagers during 2006. It looks a little sceney to me, if you know what I mean. Um, and in the forefront of this girl, we've got similar kind of stuff, trinkets. We've got a little white rabbit uh, doll. We have uh, bats on the wall, stuck on like almost as wallpaper. And we've got sunglasses and pretty much the same kind of stuff that we had in the first photo. Um, and then there's another 
a photo of a boy. And this boy is in possibly the most busy scene of all. So we've got this young boy in a black tracksuit, black Balenciaga tracksuit, and he's wearing red Balenciaga sneakers. Uh, Around him, he's in a room where the walls are seen to be um, drawn on. I presume it's meant to be like it's his room and he is drawn on all the walls. The same teddy bear with the mesh uh, tank top is in the left-hand side. He has lots of trinkets in front of him again it's like baseball caps sunglasses uh jewelry so nothing too crazy there there is some of the famous balenciaga tape which we would have seen kim kardashian dressed in in 2000 in earlier this year i believe there is a ski mask um there's a chair wrapped in the balenciaga tape and there's there's a host of other things all surrounding this young boy now the first two pictures of the two girls are what first went viral and before they issued their statement, Balenciaga removed these photos of the girls and put up the photo of the little boy. Now, the first two of the two girls, they were being interpreted, especially the one of the girl lying down on her front, as her some insinuation to her having consumed some of the alcohol surrounding her. And overall, people were interpreting these bears as wearing BDSM clothing. I can definitely see how it's interpreted as that. I can also see how the interpretation could also be kind of punk. Um, But the two do overlap. So I think it's a fair assumption to make. As far as the girl lying down, she's, she's kind of looking at the camera. She's not really smiling. She looks a little out of it. It's a strange pose to choose for a child for the young girl who has the red hair she is more so just standing on her bedroom this photo i i don't really see a major controversy with this other than the uh, little emo bear that she's holding they kind of remind me of furbies in a way um and then the the picture of the little boy is kind of where we saw a huge amount of twitter investigation so they've pointed out a couple of things in the photo they say that the drawings on the wall are quite symbolic they say that there is a drawing of the devil in the background and he is seeming to be in a room of sorts uh, around where the, we see the little teddy bear with the mesh vest there above him there is a picture of what seems to be almost like a devil character I think with a sad face there's also drawings of other stick men and then there's dates on the wall which are kind of like dates as if if you get measured by your granny or granddad I used to me my all my cousins got measured on the wall of like how high you are and it shows the date uh, correlating to it now some people and we're going to get into this a little bit in more in depth later on, but have interpreted this as dates of child abuse cases, specifically one where Josh Duggar got arrested. Very high profile case. Don't have time to go into it, but I mean, very dark case, I will say. Other Twitter kind of conspiracy theorists have looked into some of the imagery in this photo. They say that there, in two photos, there is a white rabbit. The white rabbit is a symbol of the conspiracy world so to speak follow the rabbit rabbit hole uh, alice in wonderland there's a lot of symbolism with that i'll leave that up to your own interpretation the tape which this is really getting people's mind in a head spin the yellow tape which you'll see on the bottom left hand side of the photo the bo- to the boy's right and covering the the chair on uh the boy's left hand side this has been interpreted and i mean this is, I mean, I almost want to congratulate people for going down this rabbit hole because this was a fucking, I don't want to say reach, but it kind of was a bit of a reach. The tape appears 
to be spelling Balenciaga with two A's. And people have interpreted this as a reference to a god called Baal, which if you are anyway familiar with any of the QAnon conspiracies, um, any of the kind of like satanic panic era stuff, he is a god that I believe people reference to being involved in some form of child sacrifice. I kind of pull a little bit of bullshit on this I think that the uh where it the tape was cut was just after the a and then the tape lined up for it to spell Balenciaga with two a's some people say that there are no mistakes when it comes to prop styling you could be right I do think that every single prop that would be in this shoot is purposeful um because there's people's whole entire jobs who are dedicated to this people say that the tape is a reference to like child trafficking and the fact that it's wrapped around a chair um alludes to you know people being taped to a chair if you look at the chair close up you can see that there is parts of the tape kind of falling off the chair which it looks like someone kind of got um escaped from maybe the boy himself is wearing red Balenciaga runners and there is a conspiracy theory which I referenced in one of my most recent episodes over on Patreon um called TikTok conspiracy theories that says it all really doesn't it and he's wearing red shoes which some people symbolize from coming from the Wizard of Oz which again has been appropriated by conspiracy theorists and some people say it's part of the red shoe club which you know you can go look into that on your own tiktok if you want uh, or sign up to patreon to have a listen to it but it's the idea that elites make red shoes um out of a forbidden substance shall we say so these photos obviously when looked at without any context whatsoever and when only explained by twitter users they do look crazy and I will say when I first saw this stuff I was like this is kind of wild it's insane that Balenciaga a company so big are referencing so many conspiratorial easter eggs right and my initial thoughts um from having a small amount of uh background knowledge of Balenciaga is that I thought really that they were trolling the masses I thought that um this was a way to poke at QAnon conspiracy theorists who are a huge subculture online and if you get their attention they will spread your shit like wildfire and because I knew that Demna and Balenciaga have not and pretty much will not ever be afraid well going forward now they will be probably uh they're not afraid of shying away or leaning in should I say to controversy so I thought oh my god they're actually trying to troll maybe Republican conservative QAnon conspiracy theorists um or maybe they're you know using conspiracy theory lore to seem like subversive or edgy um I never for once thought that they were literally hinting at child trafficking um but I can see how someone who has no idea uh, of this brand or of Demna's uh you know background how they would think that let's talk about the photographer the photographer was brought into things and I think this is this is where you're going to get the most context to this conspiracy theory the photographer is a man called Gabriel Gallimberti he's an Italian photographer and his signature style of photography typically depicts an individual or a couple of people surrounded by objects neatly displayed in front of them does that sound familiar one of these projects is called Toy Stories and Toy Stories is um a project that he's been involved with for a couple of years and I'm going to read what he says on his own website about this project. 
For over two years, I visited more than 50 countries and created colourful images of boys and girls in their home and neighbourhoods with their most prized possessions, their toys. From Texas to India, Malawi to China, Iceland, Morocco and Fiji, I recorded the spontaneous and natural joy that unites kids despite their diverse backgrounds. Whether the child owns a veritable fleet of miniature cars or a single stuffed monkey, the pride that they have is moving, funny and thought-provoking. So it's clear from this statement and from his photos, if you look into his background, you can find him on Instagram. He has loads of them out there. Uh, Balenciaga hired him for this specific style. Uh, He is a photographer with a signature style and he seems to pretty much only do this style. Now, I will will note, he does not only take photos of kids. He also did a series called like Kitchen Cabinets, I think, where he has older people surrounded by all their medication. I've seen one of people surrounded by guns. So it's actually... A really interesting way to uh, show cultural context to people where they are in the world like I love even how he says this about like every kid no matter their background whether they have like hundreds of toys the most expensive stuff ever or whether they have a hand-me-down teddy bear they still hold so much love and tenderness towards that one object so I, I think that that's honestly a really cool and moving photography project. So when the controversy kicked off, people began to look at his work and the internet did what the internet does. And of course, he started to get death threats. <laughs> I laugh just because it's ridiculous. I don't laugh about death threats. No. Anyway, he was forced to release a statement in November 2021, a couple of days after, and I'm going to read it for you now. Following the hundreds of hate mail and messages I received as a result of the photos I took for the Balenciaga campaign, I feel compelled to make a statement. I am not in a position to comment on Balenciaga's choices, but I must stress that I was not entitled in whatsoever manner to neither choose the products, nor the models, nor the combination of the same. As a photographer, I was only and solely requested to lift the given scene and take the shots accordingly to my signature style. As usual for a commercial shooting, the direction of the campaign and the choice of the objects displayed are not in the hands of the photographer. I suspect that any person prone to paedophilia searches on the web, maybe don't do that, and has unfortunately too easy access to images completely different than mine, absolutely explicit in their awful content. Accusations like these are addressed against the wrong targets and distract from the real problem and criminals. Also, I have no connection with the photo where a Supreme Court document appears. That one was taken in another set by other people and I was falsely associated with my photos. So let's talk about a statement very quickly. Um, He is right in the sense that he was hired for his style he is right in the sense that I would presume he is not in charge of what they show uh I don't think I've ever heard of any photographer who gets to style the shoot unless they are literally styling and shooting the shoot uh he would have had a collaboration in in knowing that it was children I do think that and he of course would have had a choice so to speak when it came to you know if he saw that the kids were going to be holding some objects that could be interpreted as sexual, he could have walked away, he could have spoken out. Now, I understand that he's like distancing himself from it because, I mean, who wouldn't? No one wants to be involved with the word paedophilia when it comes to their body of work. I do think that his statement 
probably doesn't outline the fact that he maybe just didn't see that it would be interpreted that way or that maybe they're you know no one has really to this date anyway and we'll get to all the other statements being made no one's really kind of told us what was the meeting behind this you know like where was there where was the brainstorming how did this idea conceptualize and I think that's where people are getting a little bit lost but let's move on so in his statement he did speak about another photo with court documents and this is to be honest I think kind of the tip of the iceberg or the bottom of the iceberg or the tip I can never remember which one you reference when you talk about it's a conspiracy theories I think it's the bottom because you're going under the water um but this is where this was in the original tweet by Shuan Head, um, and it's really what took legs. But she did conflate the two images together as if they were the same photo shoot and by the same photographer. So one of these photos showed an image of their famous bag, which is the Hourglass bag. And it was the Hourglass bag that was released in collaboration with Adidas. Balenciaga recently did a collaboration with Adidas, which is like kind of a thing that Demna uh, is famous for doing these high low juxtapositions uh, in terms of collaborations and it sold out really fast it was really successful it had Bella Hadid in the campaign I believe an Irish guy took the video of Bella Hadid an Irish videographer the photographer wasn't Irish but um, this picture of the hourglass bag was placed on a desk and it in a seemingly kind of innocuous setup, if I'm honest. It looked like on a desk with a lot of, you know, files behind it. You know, no, I would never think twice about it personally. Um, but the original tweet noted that the bag was placed on documents that referenced virtual child porn. So when people started to dig, they saw that it was law documents from the case United States versus Williams and referenced the Supreme Court case of Supreme Court Ashcroft v. the Free Speech Coalition from 1996. Knowing and understanding what happened in these cases is important, I think. And it's also quite interesting. I'm going to get to my thoughts afterwards on the actual inclusion of these, but I want to run through what the court case doc- what the court case documents actually say um, and whether we are right in presuming they're referencing child porn. The Ashcroft versus Free Speech Coalition was a 2002 Supreme Court case which struck down two provisions of the Child Pornography Prevention Act that the court called overbroad and vague. So the argument that the Free Speech Coalition was saying that there was new uh, laws being brought into what actually um, is considered child pornography. What the Supreme Court were trying to bring in is that it's kind of any depiction of someone underage doing anything sexual. The Free Speech Coalition went against this and said it's too vague because it could implement things like uh, movies, for example, American Beauty. There's someone who is meant to be young engaging in sexual acts with Kevin Spacey, ironically. Um, and then there's also the likes of, they, they listed uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, who are meant to be, Juliet's meant to be 15. So they were that was their argument on it. And they said that they were just overbroad and too vague. Now, the United States versus Williams case, which is what the actual court document were from was a decision by the Supreme Court of the United States that a federal statute prohibiting the pandering of child pornography did not violate the First Amendment to the United States Constitution, even if a person charged under the code did, in fact, not possess child pornography which to trade. A mouthful of legal, legal jargon? Absolutely yes. Basically, what happened was one man 
was being targeted by an online undercover policeman. Undercover police people all the time go on these messaging boards full of creeps, pedos, disgusting people who should be arrested, obviously, and they try to lure uh, and get them to admit to possessing illegal images of children so that they can arrest them. This was happening between a man, Williams, and a police officer. They were bargaining back and forth saying, I'll give you this if you give me this. And this man, Williams, claimed to have images of his quote unquote daughter to trade. When he ended up trading the images, he did not have photos of his daughter, but he did have some collection of very disturbing and dark uh, images. Do not Google this case if you're sensitive to it, because I'm being very vague. I was quite, I was a little bit freaked out when I read the details of the case, I have to say. So when he went to court, even though he was caught with the the images of child sex abuse and he knew he was going to be getting done for that, one of the other charges was pandering. His lawyers, to my understanding, used the argument that he was pandering images that he didn't actually have and that that should be protected under free speech. But it went against him. What actually happened was the court said... You're not covered for free speech when what you were saying, when you were pandering illegal materials. So that was what happened in the US versus Williams. Okay, why the hell were those court documents included in a photo shoot of a bag? I don't know. It's really strange and, you know, like they, they're they really the only ones to blame whoever was responsible for this shoot because for this controversy because if you don't want people reading especially this day and age on Twitter people are zooming into everything nowadays especially online conspiracy theorists have some Laurel Ipsum fucking Latin ass bullshit on the thing you know print out your fucking sixth year English essay if you don't want people reading into it and even then they probably will read into it so you're better off having it saying gobbledygook if you ask me so when this kicked off uh, Balenciaga quickly removed the images of children and replaced them and this bag and replaced them with other images from the Adidas shoot (laughs) And this is where shit starts to get really spirally. And again, there is some weird stuff here. I am not saying that all of this makes sense and is completely innocuous. But it should be said that these are not the same campaign. They are being said everywhere that I see on Twitter and TikTok. They are saying that it's one campaign, their holiday campaign. It's not. So the new images um, of the... Adidas and Balenciaga campaign that was all over their Instagram and their website showed models in a corporate setting what looked like kind of like a almost like a madman office but like kind of like a law office really it gave me the vibe of and I guess it's that high low feeling where you've got people who are presumed to be like possibly lawyers and professionals wearing Adidas tracksuits okay so that's the idea the juxtaposition of high and low Balenciaga do it all the time it's nothing unusual for them but this is where stuff got darker and where people really started to lose their mind and I know I've said that a few times but every step on this we're going further down and the this is what I'm seeing most people talk about now so one image showed a female model in an office and behind her in the background was a book now the book someone noted is by an artist called Michael Bormans to quote the tweet itself they said there's a book in one of Balenciaga's shoots that's written by Michael Bormans an artist who created Fire from the Sun and I believe the book was the Fire of the Sun book and she goes on to say which is a series of paintings depicting naked toddlers 
oh no, not another one, not another Easter egg. So I started to look into this artist because I think that, again, you need to see the art under context. Doesn't mean you have to like it. Doesn't mean you have to think it's good. But you have to see the art from the artist's context, in my opinion. Now, he um, displayed this art in the David's Werner Gallery, which is a large gallery of postmodern and contemporary art in New York. And they say the following. So this would have been given by his press agent, presumably. Fire from the Sun includes small and large scale works that feature toddlers engaged in playful but mysterious acts with sinister overtones and insinuations of violence. The children are presented alone or in groups against a studio-like backdrop that negates time and space, while underlining the theatrical atmosphere and artifice that exists throughout Barman's recent work. Reminiscent of cherubs in Renaissance paintings, the toddlers appear as allegories for the human condition, their archetypal innocence contrasted with their suggested deviousness. Other paintings in the exhibition depict obscure machines whose enigmatic presence appears foreboding in the context of toddlers and suggests an element of scientific experimentation. So I think it's interesting to note that his press agency, before any of this blew up, is acknowledging the the violent undertones, is acknowledging the kind of nefariousness that's possibly going on in the background of these paintings. And are these images weird? Yeah, they're weird. Like, they're weird. Like, when you Google this guy, like, they're, they're strange. He, he has some dark-ass art. And some of the art makes you feel a kind of way. Some of the art makes you feel uncomfortable. It makes you feel like you're watching something that you shouldn't be watching. Is he the only artist to portray art in this way? Absolutely fucking not. Is he the only artist to display violence? Hell no. Have any of you heard of Francis Bacon? I mentioned him at the start of this episode. Francis Bacon's paintings, he painted the Pope in an electric chair. (laughs) And he thought it was so violent and so disturbing, he had to paint vertical blinds in front of the Pope because he thought that the painting itself would have been too much for the average viewer to see. Michael Barman's also takes a lot of inspiration from the classics so he is known to take um, specifically a lot of inspiration from the old master oil painters I believe like Vermeer and Rembrandt so the fact that he's referencing um, cherubs which in a lot of art historically did represent different archetypes of humanity and were known for mischief and uh, for play. So he is doing a bit of, uh, I would say, juxtaposition of innocence and violence. Again, does that mean you have to like his art? No. Does that mean you would have to want to put his art up in your house and think it's lovely? No. I don't think this art is meant to be lovely art that's used for aesthetic purpose only. Um, I think that it's definitely dark art, but I do think that there is a place for dark art. Um, And I do find it also interesting that a lot of the people who are going so gung-ho against these artists are also big advocates for quote-unquote free speech. They do realise that free speech is protected, art is protected under free speech, unless it's illegal, of course. Now, we're going to get in later because there has been some controversy over the depictions of naked children in art. But another photo shows a model with a certificate in the background. And on the certificate was the name John Philip Fisher. People are claiming that this is the name of an 80-year-old man who was arrested for the sexual assault of his granddaughter. You have to look at your sources. I first saw this 
being pushed by a person called Ollie London. If you don't know who Ollie London is, <laughs> Ollie London is someone who went viral online, I believe either earlier this year or was it last year, because he was claiming to be transracial. He's born in England. He's claimed to be transracial as in he wanted to transition to be a Korean man, specifically one of the members of BTS. I can't remember which one. Ollie then went on to begin a gender transition and he has now since come out as a detransitioner. He is 100%, in my opinion, someone who is, I don't know whether trolling is the right word, but he is definitely leaning into the kind of right-wing grifter category because he is being embraced by people like Tucker Carlson. He's being embraced by a lot of right-wing media because they love to have a puppet to dance around, if you ask me, especially a puppet that they will use to push their own ideology onto people. Now, Ollie London at the moment is now, if you look at his at his Twitter, he is saying that he is like a God-first Christian kind of man, um, and he is kind of spouting out a lot of QAnon talking points. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So back to John Philip Fisher, which is one of the tweets that was going viral from Ollie London. It's being represented by him and by other people as One of the first things, if you Google John Philip Fisher, the first thing that comes up is this case. Now, I had to dig and dig and dig. And I had to dig by using the words arrest and granddaughter for this to pop up on my Google. It was not the first thing. And obviously, I ignored all of the um, all of the Balenciaga stuff that came up first. But it was a couple pages into Google. So, you know, when people are out there wanting to push a narrative, like you can Google almost any name I'm sure and find some weird ass crime connected to it hopefully not my name but especially a name that's like John Fisher like I believe it's coincidence is it that strange uh, yeah 100% it would be strange even in and of itself but you know linked to all these other photos and all the other easter eggs that are allegedly in them it is very unusual and it is strange and it does make you think that it was intentional finally there was a photo of another male model um He was dressed head to toe, Balenciaga, Adidas, and on his pinky finger, there was a ring with a key dangling off it. Now, people are putting two and two together and saying that, oh, this is the key that unlocks the lock necklace that one of the teddy bears of the children are wearing, which is kind of saying that, like, he owns the child in some way. Now, this to me is an absolute reach. I can't concede on this one whatsoever because are Balenciaga the first people to ever invent lock and key 
uh, jewellery. Absolutely not. Not in any way. Also, they're from the same brand. The accessories are obviously going to be also from Balenciaga and they're also obviously going to be their most modern accessories. So what, they put them in the ring instead of the necklace. Like, I don't really see any uh, importance in that other than it being from the same collection. Another photo that I see going viral only in the last day or so is of a woman leaning over a desk and there's a piece of paper or a notebook on her desk that says Metro Management in it. Now people are doing their internet sleuthing on Metro Management and it has presumed to reference a boutique property management firm in Virginia. Virginia is where Washington DC is situated and they've somehow pieced together the puzzle of this referencing an apparent missing children's epidemic in Washington DC which of course is directly linked to QAnon and Pizzagate. So are there a lot of missing children in Washington DC? Yes I looked it up briefly there is a lot of children going missing there. Is there a huge class disparity in Washington DC? Yes. Is there a large amount of crime in Washington DC? Yes. Is there probably a large amount of missing children, unfortunately, in every single large city in America? I would think yes. I'm not saying I have all the answers to that particular thing, but I I find that, again, an absolute Twitter reach. Finally, like when I actually Googled this um, metro management, the one in Virginia and D.C., that wasn't the first one that came up for me. And I think a lot of this is getting lost that like Google does do things for you based on where you are geographically, based on what you have searched before. When I Googled it, the same, this company with the same name popped up in Brooklyn, maybe because they know that I've been to New York in the past five years. I don't really know why, but I, you know, I had to really look in to find that particular management firm. So as these things go, usually what happens, right? one image goes viral, people start looking into every single thing that you've ever produced ever. And soon enough, sure enough, the Balenciaga most recent spring summer 23 fashion show began to be looked at under a microscope. Now, not only were they showing the plushy teddy bears that were in the controversial photos with the children, the fashion show itself, as per pretty much all of Demna's work is, was kind of creepy it was dark and let's have a little look at it now so a huge part of why this is going viral is that the models themselves were shown to be holding little babies they had these like kind of real very realistic baby dolls some of them were hold, held in harnesses some of them were held in bags some of them were holding them in their arms the dystopian setup um, was designed by an artist I believe a Spanish artist and, and when I saw the TikTok that I'm about to show you now on here uh, I knew, I just knew it was going to go viral. I just thought to myself, oh my God, the QAnons are going to love this one. And I was actually surprised that I didn't see any real conspiratorial stuff about that at the time, especially when they kept joking about like, are you going to keep the baby? Uh, I believe it's Mel Ottenberg, who is the editor-in-chief at Interview Magazine, is saying, I'm keeping my baby. And one of the models is saying, no, I'm not keeping my baby. They're clearly having a bit of a laugh and a joke and they're being very ironic and maybe possibly having a bit of dark humour, depending on what your taste levels are. But this is now going super viral, especially because it appears that one way to carry these babies was in a bag with blood-stained rags. Now, again, context is necessary and context does not mean that you have to approve or like any of what is being put in front of you, but it does give you a background and insight as to what is 
being tried to be portrayed to you. So apparently this show was part two of their last fashion show, which was a commentary on the invasion of the Ukraine by Russia. And Demna said about this show, when the snow melts, all that's left is mud. He also said, I hate boxes, I hate labels, and I hate being labelled and placed in a box. One needs to have courage and persistence to truly assume their identity and who they really are. When Vogue did a review of the fashion show, as I do with majority of fashion shows, especially ones that are more theatrical in nature, they said the following. With rare exceptions, designers have put on their blinders and decided it's their job to help us shrug off the world's sorrows and shop our despair away not Balenciaga's Demna. Rising inequality, the return of fascism, the very real threat of nuclear war. He laid it all out in his post-apocalyptic show today, trying, I think, to shake us awake. Backstage, he called the show a companion piece to last season. When the snow melts, it turns to mud. And there were literally tons of mud today, piled up at the sides of the stadium space and dug out like bomb craters in the centre, staged by the Spanish artist Santiago Sierra. The raw odour of decomposition, a custom-made scent by Demna's frequent collaborator, Cicel Tolas, blasted us in the face. So when you're looking at this show in that context, that it is intentionally dystopian, that the idea is, you know, we have gone through some sort of possibly either um, political catastrophe or nuclear catastrophe or environmental catastrophe and the models that are presented are what's left. So when you see these models now with bloodied and bruised faces holding their babies close to them, it kind of gives you more of an idea of this survivalist mentality. That's what it comes across as to me. Again, context does not mean that you have to like the message, but context does give you insight as to where the artist was coming from. So we've pretty much covered all of the first instance of the scandal. Let's look at the fallout from the scandal now and where we are today. Balenciaga have filed a notice of summons in New York on Friday, signaling that it plans to sue North Six, who are the agency responsible for the Adidas and Balenciaga collaboration campaign for $25 million for including the prop pieces of paper from Williams versus from the USA versus Williams in their campaign. Apparently Balenciaga are they're standing by that they did not know these props were going to be included. There was massive, massive pressure put on celebrities who have been aligned historically with Balenciaga to actually speak out against them. Number one, case in point, was 100% Kim Kardashian. Now, Kim Kardashian became the face of Balenciaga this year, I believe. With She's had a long-standing relationship with Demna. I think it was mainly through Kanye West. Kanye West obviously was dropped by Balenciaga on in light of his extremely anti-Semitic remarks over the past month or so. But Kim Kardashian did remain one of the biggest celebrity endorsers of the brand. Now, the Kardashians, if you are unfamiliar, I'm sure you are familiar, <laughs> whether you like it or not, are historically so quiet when it comes to controversy. They they don't always talk about the scandals unless they really have to. Kim has spoken out against Kanye West in the past, so it really has to go to a point of either extremely personal or just extremely controversial for them to say anything. Ironically, I would say Kim's statement on this is more personal and more in-depth than her statement on Astro World, which when you really think about it, that's another level of sick. But let's have a look at what Kim Kardashian had to say about her relationship with Balenciaga and where it's going next. 
Kim said, I've been quiet for the past few days, not because I haven't been shocked and outraged by the recent Balenciaga campaigns, but because I wanted an opportunity to speak to their team to understand myself how this could have happened. As a mother of four, I've been shaken by those disturbing images. The safety of children must be held to the highest regard and anything against it should have no place in our society, period. I appreciate Balenciaga's removal of the campaigns and apology. In speaking with them, I believe they understand the seriousness of the issue and take the necessary measures for this never to happen again. As for my future with Balenciaga, I am currently re-evaluating my relationship with the brand, basing it on their willingness to accept accountability for something that should never have happened to begin with and the actions I'm expecting to see them take to protect children. So Kim is giving one of her I guess it's kind of typical now, this kind of wishy-washy statement. She's not saying she's leaving. She's not saying she's staying. She's kind of insinuating. And I saw Kardashian Colloquium, MJ, who's been on the podcast, say that this could be very well the next stage for Kim Kardashian. Uh, She said the Balenciaga era started with a bang. It could end with a bang. I wouldn't be surprised if she did move on from them just because this is still an ongoing controversy and it's not really going anywhere. There has been updates since I even began recording the podcast, which we'll get to. So Bella Hadid, someone who actually starred in the video campaign for the Adidas Balenciaga recent collection, deleted apparently all of her posts promoting Balenciaga. I haven't seen many other celebrities who have been closely associated with the brand so far speak out against them, but these two are probably enough to put the shits in them if I'm honest the children let's talk about the children because my number one thing when I saw all of this was (laughs) won't someone think of the children but really because for me the main controversy over this was young children under the age of 10 I mean anyone under the age of 18 arguably but specifically these very young children being placed and being objectified and being placed around sexual imagery or uh, anything that could even be perceived to be sexual alcohol even it's just inappropriate and it gives you the bit of the heebie-jeebies to think that someone who is that young who thinks that they're having a fun day out uh, or modeling like you know if they are professional models which we'll get to um it, it just gives you a bit of the ick thinking that like they were a completely oblivious and that they were unaware of what they were modeling and that it's adults behind it. So one of the children's parents spoke to the Daily Mail and they kind of gave an exclusive. So a British father of the child model who posed in bondage theme Balenciaga campaign defends the photo shoot and insists his daughter had a fantastic time. He spoke exclusively to Mail Online and he remains anonymous and he says he was present at the photo shoot, which was an enjoyable day out. He insisted the the pictures had been taken totally out of context. A quote from him read, no parent would actively encourage the child to take part in something which was pornographic and I think the publicity surrounding what happened has been blown out of proportion. He said that the photographer, Gallimberti, was innocent of any wrongdoing and revealed the models were all children of Balenciaga employees who were at the shoot and had approved the campaign. He said, I feel desperately for Gabrielle. This had nothing directly to do with them and he was merely taking the photographs as requested by Balenciaga. The parents of the children were at the shoot and they approved what took place. Now, what really stood out to me there um, was that the children were children of Balenciaga employees. Now, I believe that there would be um, proper legal sign-off in any large corporation like this, but when they're not professional models, there could be lapses in that and there could be lapses in judgment because 
you know, if you're saying, oh, let your kid be in the campaign, like you want your kid, you work for the company. It, it isn't very professional. I think if anything, maybe using child um, models could have been better because maybe an agency wouldn't have signed off on the photos. Maybe the parents who were used to their child, you know, posing in these large scale campaigns and who weren't maybe desensitized to some of the actual objects that were in the photos, it could have been called off earlier. So that would be a huge lapse of judgment from Blaine. Siaga's part I would think now a really famous a very famous British photographer called Misan Harriman has been really outspoken against Balenciaga he released two statements and we're gonna watch them and listen to them together so I um I've had a lot of messages saying you need to see what's going on with Balenciaga <clears throat> I have and as a photographer as a photographer that's worked with many brands in the fashion industry I'm I'm utterly horrified and I'm angry. I know how many steps you go through as a photographer to get the client to approve images. I know how many adult eyes have to look at images for them to be printed, especially for a retail campaign where you're selling the products online. This gift shop shoot by Balenciaga is abhorrent. And those babies, those children who were not protected, I don't know where the parents were, but I do know that those children were not protected so you could sell your products. The fashion industry needs to do something about this. The owner of Balenciaga, caring all the way up to the CEO, to the owner, um, Francois Pinot, need to do something about this. The idea that any products for children are being sold now on the website of Balenciaga is an affront to those children that were not protected. This is unacceptable and I don't care if I never shoot for anyone in this industry again. Children we're talking about. To my friends that have any contacts in the fashion industry, do the right thing and speak to the people that can do something about this. An Instagram apology and yes, we're investigating is not enough. This is an alarm for the industry. Where are we going? where our, our most precious are being used for what? At what cost? No. Unacceptable. And the following is his next statement that he released four days ago. Hey, so I sound a bit snivelly. I, I have a cold. But look, uh, 48 hours ago, I saw the Balenciaga images and I did a video expressing my anger and horror. In the period since, I've had lots of wonderful people, regular men and women, get in touch, pretty much having a normal reaction to those images like I did. But the one question they've all asked me is, where is the response from the fashion industry? We've seen the response from, you know, news media, traditional news media, but where is the response from... Jesus, the influencers, the celebrities that are supposed to represent these brands, the models, the photographers, the agencies that look after hair, makeup, the publishing houses that own the magazines. I can go on all day because this is one of the few situations where there is no gray area. There's no cultural nuance or political line when it comes to the safeguarding and protection of children. So this could be uh, a moment of reckoning for the industry where it shows us where its moral compass lies. 
And it is not good enough to say that you're talking to the, you know, the CEO and Zalma Hayek and her husband and people that you know in the background. The average man and woman, mothers, fathers, grandparents need to see leaders in the industry, stakeholders in the industry immediately call out the abuse of children in this industry. And this should rise beyond the parties you're attending in this winter season and the shows you're going to and the what the, the usualness of the dopamine that you get when you post your street fashion images and and export a lifestyle that is supported by an industry that doesn't protect but damages children. This moment is on you. You have to decide whether you can know that children are not being protected by the industry that feeds you and have what I would only describe as polite indifference. If we don't see it, we don't feel it. I pray this industry shows us who they are. Now, I find his statements really interesting. I also think that he is a very genuine person. And of course, he is and has worked for years in the industry. Uh, If you're unaware of who he is, he's one of the most widely shared photographers of the Black Lives Matter movement. He was the first black man to ever shoot the cover of British Vogue. And he is, you know, an outspoken activist kind of person. And he's one of the only people really speaking out against this. And to me, it kind of makes me feel like he knows something else is going on. No matter what, no matter how far down the rabbit hole you want to go on this, I do agree. Like, I don't think that the kids were protected in that instance, especially when I heard that they were Balenciaga employees children I mean I did a whole uh, episode before on um on a video episode as well on child stars and we've seen how child stars have have been in Hollywood have been damaged by this and I mean there's always going to be that weird question of like should there even be child models should there be child stars I don't know I'm not I'm not saying I have the answer but it does kind of seem from the way he's speaking like almost as if he knows something else that we don't know that there is this historic or this um nefarious side of the fashion industry where children and people of underage are not protected it is really dark and it is really disturbing and I think no matter what I think he is right in that there is no political alliance here and there no matter how far you want to go down the rabbit hole or if you think it's full satanic panic or whether you are just against those images I think most people can agree that the kids shouldn't have been put in that uh, environment at all so the latest controversy and conspiracy and virality uh, that has gone on on Twitter is about Lotta Volkova. So Lotta Volkova is one of the collaborators with Demna. She's also one of the co-founders of Vetamonts and there has been a Twitter thread about her that has gone insanely viral. I think it has like 60,000 likes, 100,000 retweets, something like that. Um, and it is very interesting. So who is Lotta Volkova? As I said, she co-founded Vetamonts with Demna. She's born in 1984 and she is a Russian underground stylist. She's responsible for the success of Vetements, and she is the stylist who basically matched the debut collection of Demna for Balenciaga. 
and she also modelled in that show. She creates and blends outfits with a unique and particular aesthetic inspired by punk fetishism and post-Soviet street culture. I'm going to read you an excerpt from a profile piece in The Guardian. Again, I think it just adds good context to who she is and what she looks for. So she was born in Russia in 1984 and exposed to rebellion early on. Her father had jumped on a train from Serbia when he was 16 to a captainship. Her mother was a professor of physics at medical school instilled in Lotta the idea of doing things her own way. For her, that was rebellion against communism, against this pre-packaged life. It is her mother too that she has to thank for her Led Zeppelin-inspired name. She's named after the song Whole Lot of Love. She liked the whole post-punk, early 80s alt-rock era, so I grew up sucking in all those references. As with all stylists, Volkova's taste is her currency and hers is particularly esoteric. Her Instagram account forms a visual stream of consciousness, which for those in the aesthetic network makes complete sense. Not everybody will understand how a picture of a wolf with a glass of red wine on its back chimes with the raw 4am post-DJ stint snap and Soviet-era tracksuit bottoms, but that's the point. Her taste relies on a balance of street and art. The profile piece itself is titled, Conventionally Beautiful Things Are Boring, and that's a quote directly from her. So let's look at this actual Twitter thread. A user called Curious Light posted on November 27th, a thread on who is really behind Balenciaga ads, the devil in disguise, Lotta Volkova. Number one, she has been one of the main stylists at Balenciaga since 2014. Number two, she has a relationship with an accused paedophile. And number three, we can't only boycott Balenciaga, but the people behind it. The user goes on to basically list a huge amount of artwork that is posted by Lotta Volkova on her Instagram, uh, which she seems to use as a visual mood board. She posts extremely subversive art with uh, a lot of macabre overtones, satanic imagery, and even hints at masochism and violence. The photos are definitely, in some instances, disturbing. They are dark. They are not your everyday piece of art, and they are 100% not to everyone's taste. She seems to be very much interested in, like, edgy and um, shock value art and imagery which I guess you could see with Vetements especially they were known for very dark imagery associated with their campaigns since she went viral she has actually put her Instagram on private and she has um, people have noticed started to delete a load of images from her Instagram account now on her this is where personally I always feel very conflicted I always get and I don't know whether it's because personally I am interested in dark topics I am interested in the underbelly of society and that's the entire reason why I started this podcast so when I see people's character and morals being judged on um, the imagery or the books or the podcasts they listen to I just don't really think that's fair especially when you're conflating it with stuff like pedophilia like you really can't get much more serious than that in my in my eyes do I think Lotta Volkova's taste in art is intense absolutely do I think she's the first person especially in the creative space to lean into controversial imagery to lean into macabre art absolutely not 
I mean, when you, even when you think of people like Kat Von D, Kat Von D famously was into all sorts of Aleister Crowley and Wicca and all that kind of stuff. I think she's since gone against that. But again, conversation for a different day. And realistically, once someone is not consuming uh, imagery that would be deemed like genuinely illegal or uh, even the likes of gore content or snuff content, can you really judge a person's character on that? There was a famous quote going around as well where Demna said something like, Oh, me, Lotta and Gosha, another one of his collaborators, were raised on the fumes of Chernobyl and child pornography. And that's why we're so fucked up. And people are taking this as uh, like Bible, which I find kind of morally corrupt. Like I think that the, the quote is clearly tongue in cheek and being ironic and trying to be edgy. I don't really see why an extremely successful for, uh, designer would out and out say that him and his friends watched child pornography growing up. And if he did, I'm, I'll stand corrected. I'll stand corrected if that was what he really wanted to get out there to the press. So my thoughts on the actual Balenciaga controversy. I think that the images are very shocking. I think they are subversive and I think they are edgy or at least they were trying to be. I think that the pictures of the children, I've kind of given my 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 thoughts on that. I don't think the kids should have been put in that uh, situation. And I think those pictures would have been completely fine and cool with just like adult models because it would have been aligned with the photographer's style. When it comes to the documents and the props in the Balenciaga and Adidas collaboration, a lot of what I'm seeing there is a bit of a reach. I went into that thinking that that was the darkest part. We're thinking of Michael Borman, thinking of the uh, USA versus Williams court case, thinking of this Fisher guy. I was kind of shocked. I thought this, I mean, I was like that guy from TikTok. There's no such thing. It's a coincidence. But the more that I looked into it and looked into the actual firsthand pieces of information, I kind of realized that a lot of them are a reach. They are a strange coincidence and I'm not even casting that aside and I really don't want to downplay how people have been hurt in this and I also don't want to downplay the fact that children possibly are taken advantage of in the fashion industry and we know they have been in. So why would the fashion industry be any different especially when there are so many children involved in the fashion industry? I'm always, always, always so sceptical when I see the satanic panic coming up again. I speak about it all the time on the podcast. I love conspiracy theories, but satanic panic is something that humans have fallen for time and time again, all the way back from the witch trials, all the way up through the 80s, currently with QAnon. It goes on and on and on. I also always find that the satanic panic crew, the people who push this ideology, are typically very right-wing conservative Christians. But when you start to make people out to be these like insidious and nefarious people who are abusing children, just because they don't believe in the book that you like to read, I find that morally corrupt. Now we're going to go into, has this happened before? Really quickly before we wrap up the episode. In photography, there has been multiple uh, times where not only the um, morality around pictures of children have been brought up, but also in marketing. So Nan Golden, a famous photographer, she actually sold a painting of hers called Clara and Edda belly dancing to Elton John. And officials say that they received a complaint when it was on display in an exhibition. Elton John bought it and he's someone who's known to have a vast multi-million dollar art collection and it was seized back in 2007 at this 
exhibition while they were on loan. As I said, this photograph was seized by police at a gallery as part of a child pornography probe. It was deemed soon after to not be an indecent image. A really famous photographer who also made quite the stir in the fashion industry was Olivero Toscani. So he worked for Benetton, uh, the Italian brand, and he's best known for designing super controversial ads. One of his most famous ones included a photo of David Kirby dying of AIDS. He took the photo of the two priests kissing, of the white baby breastfeeding from a black breast. Really, really controversial, very subversive. And one of these people who really used a brand like Benetton to get his art out there. His final and most controversial campaign with Benetton was called Sensen sentenced to death and it was in the year 2000 where he went into prison and he photographed multiple prisoners who were given the life sentence and these ads were put out with um, a big stamp across their head saying sentenced to death so this is what Benetton say on their website now about the campaign these portraits of dozens of individuals sentenced to death are the results of Olivio Toscani's work for more than two years in which he visited death row in several American prisons they constitute also the dramatic visual images for Benetton's spring summer 2000 worldwide communication campaign. The campaign is about the death penalty. Leaving aside any social, political or judicial or moral consideration, this project aims at showing the public the reality of capital punishment so that no one around the world will consider the death penalty neither as a distant problem nor as news that occasionally appear on TV. Toscani's images aim at giving back a human face to the prisoners on death row to remind those respectable people who are always so sure that they're right that the debate concerns men and women with flesh and blood, not virtual characters eliminated or spared with a simple click as a video game. I think that's quite a cool message and very, you know, progressive to put that in a fashion campaign but Benetton were actually forced to apologize for this to the families of the people who were put on death row and make a substantial charitable donation after the US government accused the Italian fashion company of misleading officials to gain access to inmates. Fashion has also of course, not being a stranger to controversy in the in the past, we had Vivian Westwood who famously put swastikas and Hitler mustaches on her t-shirts and it was about standing up to the dictators that were taking rise the moment specifically Augusto Pinochet from Chile. More broadly, it was meant as an attack on the older generation. Basically, she said it was to say we don't accept your values or your taboos. You're all fascists. We obviously have Victoria's Secret and Lex Wexner with the Epstein overlap. So Lex Wexner was a billionaire who not only owned Bath and Body Works and Victoria's Secret, but he was also the number one client of Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein used to use his modeling agency and his access to the models to abuse the women. There's allegations now uh, surrounding the Balenciaga conspiracy theory that a woman called Rachel Chandler, who was apparently linked to Epstein and Bill Clinton, was also linked to Balenciaga. So Ollie London, who we referenced earlier, who I really do think is not a very trustworthy source when it comes to these things, he tweeted saying that this woman, Rachel Chandler, boasted about being on Epstein's island and helped cast the 2016 show. Now, it's true that a woman called Rachel Chandler owns a modelling agency called Midland Agency. She helped cast one of the shows. But the pictures of her and Bill Clinton that allegedly are on Epstein's jet are not on Epstein's jet. I mean, you don't even need a Snopes article, even if you don't believe them, to disprove that. The interior is completely different to Jeffrey Epstein's jet, which you can see 
anywhere on the internet. It has never even actually been uh, proved that that woman in the picture is Rachel Chandler. And look, and I'm not a Bill Clinton defender. If anything, I think that man has done some seriously, seriously dark shit that we will never find out about. But I just don't know if Rachel Chandler is one of them. Also linked to Balenciaga are the recent Gucci allegations. So Gucci is owned by the parent company that also owns Balenciaga. And Alexandra Zarini alleges that Joseph Ruffalo sexually abused her from the age of six all the way up until she was 22. She is the 35-year-old granddaughter of Aldo Gucci. The action that was filed in the California court of Los Angeles describes years of sexual abuse from her stepfather, Joseph Ruffalo, and complicity and a cover-up on the part of her mother, Patricia Gucci, and grandmother, Bruno Palombo. So where is the scandal now? Balenciaga actually had to release another statement only a few hours ago where they said the following, we would like to address the controversies surrounding our recent ad campaigns. We strongly condemn child abuse. It was never our intent to include it in our narrative. The two separate ad campaigns in question reflect a series of grievous errors for which Balenciaga takes responsibility. The first campaign, the gift collection campaign, featured children with plush bear bags dressed in what some have labelled BDSM inspired outfits. Our plush bear bags and the gift collection should not have been featured with children. This was a wrong choice by Balenciaga combined with our failure in assessing and validating images. The responsibility for this lies with Balenciaga alone. The separate second campaign for Spring 23, which was meant to replicate a business office environment, included a photo with a page in the background from the Supreme Court ruling United States versus Williams, 2008, which confirms as illegal and not protected by freedom of speech, the promotion of child pornography. All the items included in this shooting were provided by third parties that confirmed in writing that all these props were fake office documents. They turned out to be real legal papers, most likely coming from the filming of a television drama. The inclusion of these unapproved documents was the result of reckless negligence for which Balenciaga has filed a complaint. We take full accountability for our lack of oversight and control of the documents in the background and we could have done things differently. While internal and external investigations are ongoing, we are taking the following actions. We are closely revisiting our organisation and collective ways of thinking. We are reinforcing the structures around our creative process and validation steps. We want to ensure that new controls mark a pivot and will prevent this from happening again. We are laying the groundwork with organisations who specialise in child protection and aims at ending child abuse and exploitation. We want to learn from our mistakes and identify ways we can contribute. Balenciaga reiterates its sincere apologies for the offence we have caused and extends its apologies to talent and partners. Business of Fashion only recently have revoked the Global Voices Award that it gave Demna. They said it invited Balenciaga to explain the scandals and apparently Balenciaga refused and Demna at this point has not issued a comment of his own. He has only reposted the Balenciaga pure I'm presuming pure approved statements so that is it good god I thought this was going to be a quick little 45 minute job but we kept going I loved looking into this despite you know these kind of um 
conversations are almost the hardest to have because all my first uh, hand documents typically are tweets, which are really hard to find. But we got there in the end. I'm going to leave a whole list of uh, links down below for you to look at some of the uh, things that I've been referencing here. I want to keep the conversation going. Let me know what you think. I'm interested to see where this goes. Overall, I think that there is absolute need to hold brands accountable for things like this. I also think it's important to have a sense of realism and to keep your mind open to being changed. My mind was changed once I actually dug into the detail myself. So whenever you see an Instagram story by someone online, myself included, you know, if there's something seems fishy about it, look into it yourself and always be open to having your minds changed. I'll be back very soon. Thanks for everyone.